Joining me on the show today is Stephen Williams. Stephen is best known for his roles in 21 Jump Street and Supernatural. He joins me today to talk about all of that and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Benjamin Mary McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and joining me on the show today is Stephen Williams. Stephen is probably best known for his role as Captain Fuller on 21 Jump Street, the show that catapulted Johnny Depp's career. Now, he talks about that, as well as his recent appearance on Supernatural. He returned to his iconic role as Rufus in the most recent episode. So here's my chat with Stephen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Now, I'm Stephen... I'm happy to be a part of it. Oh, that's wonderful, Stephen. Now, what inspired you to become an actor? Uh, I, I was never inspired to become an actor. This stuff was getting laid in my lap. My entire life, my entire acting career was laid in my lap. By the God or by God or whatever maker you believe in. This was just dropped on me. I started out in this business as a, uh, as a model. I was a, an apparel salesman. Uh, in Chicago, on Michigan Avenue, selling ladies' apparel, ladies' shoes, ladies' clothing. A lot of my customers were either models or female ad ex- executives, and they both kept suggesting that I had the the the, the statue, the height, the, you know, the look to be a model, uh, a photo model, uh, you know, print stuff, uh, wrap stuff. And one day I said, you know what? I'd probably get with some of these women, actually, if, if I were to try this, uh, try this whole modeling thing. So literally, I got into the business to get laid, first of all. <laughs> That's what I started it. And it just sort of snowballed. And on, on all seriousness, I started modeling. My, uh, my buddy, I uh, quit my job, started modeling. Somebody asked me to do a play. And I did this play and got great reviews, I remember. And, uh, and, and it snowballed from there. It continues from that point on. This started happening back in, what, 71, 72? Mm. So did you ever do any... Yeah, so I had a ball. I had a ball. I learned back then that I could act. Um, and it's been on and cracking, as they say, ever since then. Mm. Did you ever do any formal training to, uh, to further no, your acting? No formal training. Never had an acting lesson in my life. Never, you know. Like I said, I didn't aspire to be an actor. It was dropped in my lap. Uh, and the maker gave me the credit, gave me the talent to handle what he was about to drop in my lap. Mm. So it's going on now. I'm learning now. I like to call it on-the-job training. One of my first jobs in Chicago at the Goodman Theater was I was on stage with Robert Guillaume. You know, an incredible, fantastic actor, you know. So uh, it was like make it up as you go, man. Keep your eyes and ears open. And, uh, and it continues to this day. It's... To this day. I work from a very specific place, uh, and that's uh, with the words. Give me the words, and if I relate to the words on that page, um, then I can give you something back on screen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a natural thing, and I don't question it. No. I mean, if it is... broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Certainly. Now, I, it is one of the most unusual businesses, I think, in the world. How did you feel at first when you were just thrown into it like that? Again? Um, it is one of the most unusual and, and challenging businesses to, to work in. How did you feel initially when you were first finding your feet as an actor? I told you, I felt, I felt great. I mean, seriously, part of it was all about the women folk. <laughs> you know, I never gave it a thought as a, as a, uh, a craftsman or 
be difficult or I was having fun as I continue to do now. Well, that you know, is, put on a costume and go someplace and pretend to be something, somebody else, something else. It was just a lot of fun for me. And it continues to be a lot of fun for me. I like to say that since I started acting, I haven't worked a day in my life. Well, I don't care what other actors tell you. This is not hard work. <laughs> this, is, this is beautiful play. Mm. Uh, getting the job is probably the hardest thing about this business for me. Uh, getting, preparing for that audition, get, going in and, and convincing someone with, with what they've asked me to do that I'm the guy for the job. That's probably the hardest thing. Once I've got the job, it's, it's, it's the whole gravy there for me. Mm. That's, that's my opinion of it. I love uh, uh, the art. I love doing it. Um, so, yeah, I like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's a job. Mm. And as long uh, as you love it, continue to do it. Form, yeah. it. It comes natural to me. Yeah. Now, how do you prepare? You know, Johnny is kind of like that, too. I can, I can remember Johnny Depp was like that. If Johnny was a musician. I don't know Johnny was not uh, not an actor, not aspiring to be an actor. He was aspiring to be a musician. That's how I said, a little group got in Florida. And he met Nicolas Cage, and, and, and you know, Nick told him he had a great look, and Johnny gave it a shot, and bam, superstar. You know? Uh, so, yeah, and you can ask a million people how they got into the business, and you'll get a million different answers from actors. Mm, that is very true. Now, you talked about auditioning and how you have to convince the people that you're right for the part. How do you prepare before playing a new role or going into an audition? I read the words. Simple as that, Jeff. It's as simple as that. It really is. I read the words. And I either relate to the words or I don't. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I can read a set of words and I go, well, okay, I can relate to that emotion. I can relate to that situation. It's a feel. It's like feeling something out. It's like, uh, oh, God, I'm trying to compare it. Like, there's certain things that you do every everyday life, and, and you feel it. You know, it's like feeling your way through it. You know how to shape something or how many screws, or how many turns to put in the screwdriver, you know, how many steps to take it on. You just instinctively know these things, right? So that's, that's, that's how I work. I, if, if those words ring true for me somehow, now it's all up to me and the director to collaborate about how we want to put this on film, what movements we want to make, what emotions we want to put behind those words. Mm. You know, tell me that, and I can give that back to you on screen. And it's, um, it's, it's a real simple process for me. Like mm. I said, zillion different actors, a zillion different ways, a zillion different approaches. Uh, but for me, it's just a very natural process. Mm-hmm. I know immediately. I mean, I can read an audition piece and know immediately whether I want to go on that audition or not. I don't care how great the opportunity is. If I can't relate to what's happening on that page, I don't even bother with it. Now, what's on that page needs to be relatable to me. And it's like a natural instinct takes over. Talent, I'm off and running. I mean, things pop into my mind in terms of how I should dress, how I should move, you know, what the physical movement should be, uh, uh, what, e- what emotions belong there. Um, as long as I can, as long as those words ring true for me. Mm-hmm. That's sort of it. That's sort of it. Everybody preps differently. Everybody, uh, uh, 
prepares differently. I don't think you can teach anyone to to act. Number one, that's my. You can train your tools. I like to say you can take you can take voice lessons. You can take dance lessons, uh, elocution lessons, uh, diction lessons, whatever. You, you train your tool. Your body and your mind is your tool. That's what you train. Acting comes from inside. I use Miles Davis as an example. I say there's three valves on a trumpet. Once you master those three valves, you're a trumpet player. So what makes Miles a better trumpet player or a D. King trumpet player than anybody else? What makes him stand out? It's what he's got inside him. You know, he, he manipulates those three valves in his breath according to what's inside him. And that's sort of how I am. I read those words and, 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 and I start manipulating those words and, and that situation from something within me. And that's really the mark of, a, of any good actor, the fact that they can relate and emote with the words on the page. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think that is a, 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 a fair assessment. A fair assessment. It's an interesting art. It's an interesting art, like I said, and I, I think it needs to be in you. <laughs> it needs to be in you. And you find all sorts of avenues in the, uh, to get it out of you, you know, to present it uh, to, to the public, to allow the public to share it, or allow a segment of the, of the public to share that with you. Mm. Now, you've worked on a lot of fantastic projects. Which has been your favorite so far? Oh, God, they all have something that, uh, that stands out. I don't know that I could pick an absolute favorite. If all of them have something that, that I, I love and I value. Captain Fuller. Uh, on TV. I'll talk about the television. Movies are just, you know, I've not done a, a, a great deal of movies. You know, the ones I have done have been kind of iconic. You know, Blues Brothers, Cooley High, da da But it's, it's, uh, um, what the hell was the question? I hate it when I have a senior moment. Well, that's all right. Oh, uh, the favorite. Yeah. Captain Fuller. Jump Street, for instance. Captain Fuller. Wonderful mentor, a mentor, a teacher, a father figure. Uh, I love that whole that whole thing. It was a very socially conscious show. The character uh, was very, very socially conscious. We addressed a lot of topics, teen pregnancies, teen rape, you know, child abuse, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that character. You know. um, L.A. Heat, who wouldn't like Mr. X? You know, I mean, uh, the X-Files. Who would not like Mr. X? You know, what, what guy, what actor would not like that character? Mysterious to wipe somebody out every time he comes on screen, you knew something was going to happen. You knew like, somebody was going to die when X showed up. Just a wonderful character. Uh, I did a show called L.A. Heat. Uh, sort of like, it was uh, born first run. And it was sort of like Lethal Weapon for television. And me and my co-star, Wolf Larson, we were basically Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, you know, in this action-adventure TV series. What guy wouldn't like that? Very macho. You know, running, jumping, fighting, you know, the whole, you know, the whole hero bit. Love that. So there's something about all of these characters, all the characters I've done. I can pick out something about them that was, that was outstanding, making a whole slew of them my favorites. Mm. I was work. I love to work. I love this profession ever since I've gotten into it. I love getting up in the morning and going to a set and having a, a very wonderful, warm, happy, creative day with a bunch of fellow artists. I love that shit. You know, it's, it's 
Somebody asked me what what uh, what makes you happy, Stephen. What? And I thought I, I don't relate to that word happy. I mean, life is life, you know. And and then I thought, no, take that back. I am really happy when I'm on a set. When I'm on a television set, a movie set, doing my craft, then I'm happy. Uh, so yeah, that's you know my, my my favorite thing is almost all of them. Well, it's fantastic that you love your job so much, and I can certainly relate to that. That feeling you have when you're on camera or on stage, it's one of the greatest things in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's super duper, man. And getting to meet all of these fellow artists and work with these people, these creative, wonderfully talented people, you know, that all of these folks I've worked with, uh, and learning from them. You have to understand, I'm constantly learning all, also, you know. I mean, an actor, I think, should be constantly working. We work 24-7. Because a great deal of my job, we train 24-7. I do, anyway. That's my job is contingent on, on life, on interpreting a writer's words and giving it back. So I need to be on my toes 24-7 in, in, in terms of observation. You know, I'm observing the world at my every waking moment. Is spent watching the world, listening to people, paying attention. Because someday I'm going to have to give some of that back on screen somewhere. And I'll know. Yeah, I remember seeing so-and-so do so-and-so, so all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it like that. You've got something to work with. The world is my classroom, in other words. The world is my classroom. And I'm, I'm never out of school. Mm. Now, I suppose a constant throughout your career has been a lot of action films and, and TV series. Have you ever had to do any specific training to be able to play one of those roles? Um, no, not, not very specific. Uh, I recently had to, uh, not recently, but a while ago, I rode a, I don't ride bicycles, I mean, you know, motorcycles. Uh, and we did an episode of Jump Street uh, where I uh, had to learn to ride a motorcycle. Uh, when we did L.A. Heat, they allowed us to do a lot of our own stunts, you know. <laughs> something we shouldn't have done, but we were just macho guys. So I learned how to drive really, really well, do a lot of stunt driving. We did a lot of our own stunt driving uh, in that particular series. Um, uh, and those are about the only two things that I, I can remember really learning. Everything else sort of came natural. Uh, the fighting stuff, I was a United States Army boxer. So I had some training and all that physical fighting stuff that I've done and, and uh, you know, and a couple of the shows. Uh, mm. But other than that, no, I've not had the opportunity where I had to learn, uh, you know, fly a spaceship or some shit like that. <laughs> 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 I've not done it yet. Thank goodness. <laughs> There's still time, though. There is still definitely time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can do this until you drop. There's one of those professions, as long as you can be, you know, Jessica Tandy and Kroon Hewn showed, showed us that, you know. Uh, this, this, the, the king and queen couple of theater. I mean, they acted up until, what, their 90s? Uh, are, they still, are, they, are they still with us? Are they still be acting? I, I, I think we lost them about a, year, a couple of years back now, but they were up, acting right until the end. Yeah, but, you know, like I said, it's one of those professions you can go... As long as you can, all you have to be able to memorize. <laughs> they can wheel you around. <laughs> you have the capacity to do this job. You know? Yeah, most certainly. You just, you just got to do it until you physically can't anymore. I'm doing it until 
fall off. I'm riding this baby until the wheels fall off, okay? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so obviously, 21 Jump Street was a huge series. When you were working on the, on the early seasons, did you ever predict how popular it would become? No. No, not at all. I don't think uh, any actors ever been able to predict uh, uh, his show is, you know, how popular the show is going to become or if the show is going to become a hit. Because it's a surprise, man. The audience is a, is a wonderfully strange creature. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and you never know why it happened. A lot of people think Jump Street was so popular because they had all these great-looking young actors on it, you know, Johnny Depp and Richard Grieco and Holly Robinson, Peter and Dustin, you know. It's, it's a, But that show was a wonderfully uh, a social show. It addressed a lot of social topics, teen pregnancy, teen rape, child abuse, da-da-da-da-da. You know, it was, it was shot at a time when remember we had all the hotlines going. You know, if something was going on, we had hotlines in, in America to call and talk about it or get some help. With that. Uh, and a lot of the stories were taken right out of the news. A lot of the stories on Jump Street, the situations. Um, and it served a definite, uh, a definite cultural purpose. It wasn't just entertainment. It wasn't just really wonderful entertainment. It had a message. Mm. It had a message to it. And I think that's one of the reasons it became so wildly popular. Uh, we never know. I mean, X-Files was such a, such a mysterious thing. We all want to know if there's something other than us around, you know, in the universe. Um, that became extremely popular. You know. But I, I don't, you know, for me anyway, I never know. I never have any clue. You know, some actors may be able to predict. You know, you're always hoping. You've always got your fingers crossed. You're always putting your best foot forward. Uh, but I've never been able to predict anything. Yeah. I've never been in, interested in predicting stuff. I love going to work. Just give me a job, let me go to work every day and have a great time. That yeah, uh, sounds like you're really living the, the high life. Yeah, yes, it's terrific. It's mm. been terrific. It continues to be terrific. Mm. Well, uh, look, 21 Jump Street became a, a series of films recently, and you had a cameo in the most recent one. How did that eventuate for no, you? No, 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 no. I've never appeared in any of those films. I don't know where the credit came from or who said what. Johnny and Peter did one, the first one. Mm. I think Holly had a credit. Richard Grieco, I think, was in second one or something. I, I, but I've never appeared. They didn't ask me to walk through not one frame. No I thought it was very rude of them, quite frankly. Um, and when I saw the movie, I, I thought, okay, fine. It's, this is fine by me that they did not ask me to participate. Uh, because neither of the movies were Jump Street. I didn't see the second one. So I'm saying that, I'm, I'm qualifying that statement. I saw the first one. It wasn't Jump Street. They used the name Jump Street, okay? Mm. These movies were entertaining, farcical comedies. They were, they were not Jump Street. When you think about, if you watched the television program 21 Jump Street and you watched these movies, these movies did not have nearly the social content that Jump Street had. That is I very true. They used the name for box office. That's my opinion. You know, that's 21 Jump Street, box office, the movie. Woo, let's go see it. But it had nothing to do, in, in my opinion, with Jump Street. Wasn't even close to being 21 Jump Street, the television series. You know? And like I said, I saw the first one, and I was entertained by it. I thought it was, you know, an entertaining movie. Uh, but it was not 21 Jump Street. You're right. It lost a lot of the messages that the original series conveyed. Yeah, right. I mean, 
you know, that's you know that's the nature of this business sometimes. Uh, it's more about uh, it's more about the money, the box office, uh, than it is about social content or even artistic content. Not always are designed strictly to make money. They're all designed strictly to make money. Everybody, every producer, everybody wants to make money. But some of them are designed strictly to make money. They don't care about the social content or the or the message or, you know, or contributing anything significant other than a reason for them to go to the bank. Mm. Uh, a little bit no, that's my opinion of the movies. They, they, they were not Jump Street, and I was not asked to be in, in any of them. So. Mm. I wonder where oh, that there. credit came from then, because you are credited in the film, or on, on the on the IMDb and on the Wikipedia and everywhere. No, I yeah, I, I have no clue. And shit, people make mistakes. People make mistakes. Somebody made a mistake. Thought I was in it or something. You know. Especially with, with computers, man. It's all computer world. <laughs> I am so computer illiterate. You know, I live in the 18th century. <laughs> but people forget human beings put that information into computers. Very so true. Computers is just as flawed as everything else. I love it when people think that because it's in the computer, especially when you're dealing with business and shit. You know, it's like. Ma'am, uh, my bill is wrong. This no, sir. If the computer says, "Do you know that a human put that information in the computer?" There could be a mistake, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So no, was never was never in any of the Twenty One Jump Street films. Was never asked. Well, uh, another another hit series you've mentioned that you're in is is the X Files, and you sporadically reprise your role between 1994 and 2002. When you work on a show for such a long period of time, do you get to explore and develop your character a lot more? Oh, a lot more. A lot more. You get to learn uh, what that character is about, especially if you if you are sort of collaborating with the writer. A lot of television shows, you get scripts, and it's almost like you're doing your own thing and, and, and you're cooperating with the director, whatever director they get to direct, his vision of it. Sometimes your visions clash, you know? Mm. I mean, we did 21 Jump Street for five years, for instance, and I did, uh, what, at least three seasons, I think, all total 14 shows um, of The X-Files. You know, and each week, you would get uh, a, a different director, right? So uh, and he's had to sit down and collaborate with the producers, the writers, the creators, and get to, to, he, to, to know what he's supposed to do, and now he's got to pass that on to me. And a lot of these guys have got to realize that uh, this is my character. I created this character. So there are going to be some things you're going to want me to do that I'm not going to want to do because my character doesn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I mean, you are a director that's been brought in to direct, you know, me and my cast uh, who, who, who've been in this show for four or five years or three or four years, however long it is. You're just interpreting one episode, all right? I'm interpreting an overall character. The entire life of that character. Um, so yeah, once you've been told what they're looking for, I mean, once you've been cast, you have a specific thing that they, you know, and it would be called our breakdown. They describe the character. They tell you what they're looking for. You go in and give that to them. If they hire you, then you you have you're the guy who gave them what they were asking for. Okay, so now it's up to you to put all the little nuances on that character as you go along. Did he have a mustache? Did he walk with a limp? You know, does he sound sarcastic? You know, does he sound sincere? Uh, uh, is there sweetness in his voice? Is there anger in his voice all the time? Just 
a zillion things, the things that make up a human being. This is what you have to constantly work on. Who is this guy? And, and if you are truly living, you never know who you are anyway. You're changing every day, every nanosecond. If any human is truly living a life, you are changing every nanosecond. And who you become, just pay attention to who you are becoming. Mm -hmm. I believe that. It's a, it's, a, it's a natural way of living. Um, life happens to you sometimes while you're happening to life. It happens to you also. So pay attention. Use that. Grow. Grow every second. Yeah, that is that is very true. And in those instances where you're, the directors are changing so often, do you find yourself working closer with the writers and the production team that stays the same? No, I think, I, I, I'm hoping I understand the question. Uh, the answer would be we, we hardly ever work with the writers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just, in my case, you know, I have a, a work history. People like to say your career, Stephen. Dutton. I go, no, I have a work history. So I've never been a big enough big enough actor, you know, the same statue and, and status, uh, to be able to sit down and, and work with the writers. Now, when you do, you know, and, and the situations are sometimes, you do a sitcom, for instance. I did a sitcom, uh, kind, of a, kind of a dramedy thing called Lynx, uh, a show created by Tim Reed, Susan Fellfields, uh, starring me and Pam Greer, Joe Stanford Brown. And, and with these things, you sit down and you have a table read, you know, um, uh, every week before we start the show, we sit down and have a table read. That's the time we had to collaborate with the writers. They would listen to the table read and figure out what sounded right coming out of that actor's mouth, you know, for that character. And then you could noodle with that. But uh, uh, in general, for, for a drama like X-Files or, or uh, you know, 21 Jump Street like that, you get a script uh, every week and, and you never see the writer. You know? Mm. You have to depend on your director to tell you what the writer's intent was. Because that's a question I like to ask, too. I'd, I'd love that opportunity to do that, if I could do it more. Is sit down and ask the writer, what was your intent when you sat down and wrote these words? And that's what you want to give them back on screen. Mm. You know, an interpretation of their words that falls in line with their intent. So, uh, but on the, on, the, on the whole, you know, mostly we never get to... Uh, to collaborate with writers. Hmm. Unfortunate, really. I think you probably there could be a lot of good collaboration. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, well, you know, it's a long, grown-out process. I mean, I, I would think there would be a, you know, we have a time constriction there. You got a show, most shows are shot in seven days, uh, and let's say you got an eight-person cast, you know? It's got to be pretty damn hard for that writer to collaborate with each and every actor, you know, in mm. that cast, uh, to the extent that... that uh, results in, in some really, really valuable change in, in that episode for that week. Mm. Uh, so everybody's trusting. This is a collaborative effort. So everybody trusts that if you're on the project, you're competent, bright enough, intelligent enough, creative enough uh, to interpret those words on that page uh, in a way that the writer would have wanted. Mm. And sometimes it's the hell with the writer. <laughs> you know, once a, once a project, I mean, this is, sometimes the business of the business can be rough, you know? A director, a producer, something buys a writer's words because he has a vision of how he wants to interpret it, and once those words are bought, the writer is out of the loop. 
There's a great deal of times when the writer is out of the loop. There's a great deal of time when the last person a director wants to see is the writer. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. The director has his own vision of it. This is such a collaborative bi- business. I mean, uh, a writer comes in, gives words, uh, a producer hires everybody and, and has a vision of what, what he wants to see on the screen. A director has a vision of what he wants to see on the screen. And, and, and the actor is the guy that's given all these instructions. This is what we want to see. All these creative people get together, give you what it is they think they've interpreted and what they want to see, and you try to give that back on the screen. And then we have to give it to an editor, and he tries to put it all together in a manner that makes sense and tells the story that was originally supposed to be told. And the music's got to be added to it. And the da 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 da. I mean, it's such a collaborative effort. There are so many little components that go into making a successful product. Mm. It's, uh, it's a huge, long it's process. Honed, it's honed and shaved and shaped a little and, you know, cut down a little over here and built up a little over here, and, you know, until you have a wonderful picture. You know, it's like an artist with, a, with an easel and a paintbrush. You know, a little of this color here and a little of that over there. Oops, got to erase that. Got to erase that. That's not right. Okay, so we'll put a little of that in there, a little of this in there. Blam! You know? And if you get a nice canvas to work with, you come up with a wonderful project. Exactly. I mean, has there ever been a project for you that you thought was going one way when you were working on set, and then when you saw it, it was something completely different? Oh, I think that, yeah, that's been a bunch of those. That's been a bunch of those. I, I think almost with everything you do, there's a little bit of that in it, a little bit of that sort of thing happening. Because, again, you know, once you're done with your work, an editor takes your work and puts it together in a way that could be totally different from how you interpreted it. It can be worse, it can be better, or it can be even. Like I said, the collaborative effort, you know, is what this business is all about. And once you've done your job, it's out of your hands. Now. Mm-hmm. Once I've laid this stuff down on film, then I have no control over how that editor is going to put that stuff together. And that editor is going to put that stuff together relative to how the director sells it. So there's been a few things that, you know, gone, you know, that have looked a little bit different when you, when you see them on screen than you were, you were interpreting them while you were doing it. I can't think of any specific examples, but it happens each time you work. Hmm. All right, then. Well, uh, another huge hit you've been a part of is, is Supernatural. And you're about to return to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming episode? Well, the upcoming episode features, uh, you know, the boys, as you say, Sam and Dean, and, and me and Bobby, me and Jim Beavers. Uh, we brought back in a flashback episode. Uh, and the story is uh, the boys run across a case, you know, an entity in this house that's putting people in comas and... Uh, you know, the, the typical monster stuff. And, uh, and they have a journal that Bobby wrote, and they realize that Bobby and Rufus worked that same case in that same house uh, about seven or eight years back. So what the audience is going to see on the screen on Wednesday night, you know, tomorrow night, is the boys working this case in the present, and then we flash back to Rufus and Bobby working the case in the past. So it's a parallel between these two, you know, between what yeah. happened back then and what's happening now. And I think it's been, uh, from what I've been told, it's been filmed rather nicely. Like, we, we segue into each other. 
It's not done like the regular flashback where you show an action in and you, and you flashback to that. It's almost like a segue. It's almost like the four of us become one, you know, uh, in, in a lot of the scenes. You see Jared doing something in the future, and then it dissolves back to me or Bobby doing that exact same thing in the past relative to this case. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I think it's filmed rather interestingly, and, it's, uh, and, it, and the premise is quite interesting. It certainly uh, sounds fascinating, yeah. Yeah, well, it's simply the four of us working the same case at different times. Mm. Oh, damn, I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> now, it sounds easy the four of us working the same case at different times. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously... Uh, so, well, we're hoping the fans enjoy it. We're hoping the fans enjoy you know, the fact that uh, uh, Bobby and Rufus are back together again and, and back on the screen, you know, because both their characters are have, have reached their demise mm. in, the, in the series. Well, I mean, that's happened to a couple of your characters. On the X-Files as well, your character died and then returned twice. Is that not, is that, you know, is the character's yeah, death no yeah, longer something right. you worry about? No, that's, that's the wonderful thing about this genre. Uh, and you, you, you can do that with anything. I mean, my character returned uh, twice in, you know, in dreams or, or in flashbacks. Dreams or flashbacks. And on Supernatural, of course, uh, hey, it's called Supernatural, okay? <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion, one, it's one episode that I died in, Mitch, uh, who plays, you know, the grandfather. He died three times in the same episode. You know, the boys have been dead a bunch of times, gone to hell and come back. Uh, so that's the wonderful thing about Supernatural. You're never truly, truly, truly dead. You know, the one the one supposedly defined death is if your bones have been salted and burned. That's how they get rid of demons forever, you know. But even that um, doesn't stand up under creative writing. They want to bring a character back, they'll find an explanation for it. Exactly. So f- fingers crossed for Rufus's permanent return. To bring us back, because I, I love working the show. I love being on the set. Uh, I love working with those people. Uh, everybody's just a warm group of human beings and a wonderfully talented cast of actors, from the regulars to all the guest stars they've ever had on that show. It's, uh, it's good stuff to work on. Hmm. Now, obviously, the show relies a lot on special effects. Does that change anything about your acting process when you're on set? No, no, except for some physical movements, perhaps. Uh, But the internal stuff, the stuff that's in your mind, in your head, the words that have to come out of your mouth, uh, the special effects don't change that. Special effects would enhance that. If any change it made, it would enhance it more than anything else, but, you know... Certainly, it doesn't change it uh, uh, mentally or emotionally. It may change a few things around physically because of the effects, but uh, the essence of uh, the character and the essence of the story remains the same. Hmm. So after you finish working on a project, are you able to sit back and watch it from an audience perspective? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm... Me, I have the I don't know about other actors. I like Johnny. Used to, Johnny used to say, uh, I don't know if he does anyway, that he had never watched any of Jump Street. Doesn't like to watch itself or didn't watch itself or something that program. Uh, but for me, I can look at things both subjectively and objectively. I look at my life like that. As you know, me, mm-hmm. Stephen Williams, the man. I look at my life like that. So I can certainly look at my work like that. You know, from an audience's point of view. I know what's entertaining, what's not entertaining. I know what's good, what's not good. Well, 
uh, no matter what your taste is, I know what what's negative and what's positive. Um, and uh, I think it's a good way to look at things. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's like with your own life and people tell you certain things. Well, I know him. He's such and such. No, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me because I'm learning about me myself 24-7. So I'm observing myself both objectively and subjectively. And I'm still trying to figure me out. And a lot of people have different interpretations when they sit back and watch something. This is, uh, I, I tried to play Mr. X. When I got the, the role of X, I thought, wow, wonderful character. How am I going to play this guy? And then I thought, X, mystery. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew who he worked for. Nobody knew if he was a bad guy or a good guy. So what I tried to do was deliver lines with as much ambiguity as possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would just, and let the audience interpret. Let each individual audience member interpret who they thought X was, who they thought he worked for, whether or not they thought he was a good guy or a bad guy. And everybody had that, their own interpretation of X, which, which, which fell right in line, you know, for me, mm. with what they called him. They called him Mr. X. He was like a blank. He was like a slate that they didn't know about, which added mystery and intrigue and, you know, action and and changes every time he was there. He brought something to the situation, I think, that no one was expecting. I mean, when you play mysterious characters like that, where you don't want to give anything away, does that, I mean, change how you relate? Because you can't really relate to being an enigma as such. Yeah, I, I think so. I recently, um, if I understand it, what you're asking, uh, uh, The Leftovers, you know, the program The mm. Leftovers? Mm-hmm. I did a, a six-show, what is that, a seven-show, six-show arc, um, where I start out as this little old man that you, the, the directors and the producers wanted this little old man to be a surprise for the audience. So when you've got something like that going, you do need to modulate your performances so that you don't give something away. There's a way to play a character where the audience goes, oh, shit, something's coming, something's coming, you know. And there's a way to play that same character where you have no clue that something is coming until it happens. So depending on what story we're telling, um, yeah, of course, you have to modulate those performances so that you don't reveal certain things or, that, or so that you do, you know, uh, uh, you know, pique somebody's curiosity, you know, or make them suspicious of you. It's all about intent. Mm. What is the intention here of the writer? What is the intention of the director? What is the intention of the actor? I, I find that word intent magical in the acting world, uh, just as magical in that whole directing, producing, da 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 da. Uh, what was the intent? And if you have intent, it normally shows somewhere in your body language, in your eyes, you know, intent. And all the camera has to do is be in the right place to catch that nuance. You know, you've been in a room with, with somebody that uh, you feel, you know, some guy you feel is aggressive towards you or, or a woman that, you, that feels love towards you or whatever, and you can see their intent from even across the room. Mm. You can kind of feel and see their intent. 
So if a, if a person has some intent, just have that and put that camera in the right place, and it'll catch it somewhere. You know? Yeah. Uh, you, ever see, you ever hear that term? You know term? <laughs> I use terms like everyday terms. Uh, cops. Cops are bad for this shit. They'll, uh, they'll, uh, are, are you squaring off on me, sir? You ever watch these cops, you know, a guy will stand a certain way, and mm. a cop will think, oh, your intention is to fight me, huh? Because of just the way you're standing. You know, when you get ready to go into a fight, there's a certain stance you take, a certain attitude your body takes. You know, and it's the intent. I intend to now defend myself, so I need to shift my body here for this position. You know, uh, so, yeah, intent is, is, is magical for me. Have intent and have that camera in the right place. And that tells you where, tells an audience where you're going. Yeah, and it captures or, the magic of Or it tricks an audience. Or it tricks an audience into thinking you're going in one direction and you're going in the next. But you started with the word intent. And, and my, the way I like to work, that's what I start with. I start with intent. Mm. And it, it certainly creates a magical performance, really, when actors know what their characters uh, want to do. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. See, acting, a trick to acting, as far as I'm concerned, don't ever get caught acting. The good actors never get caught acting. They are just being. Just be. Very just true, yeah. Be. Use that writer's words and just be. Don't act, whatever you do. Now, I mean, you've been working in the in the entertainment industry for quite a long time now. How do you think the industry has evolved since you first started working in it? How has it evolved? Mm. Uh, well, you know, we've got a lot more, you know, we've gotten away from, I think, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, in a lot of instances, we've gotten away from the the true art form. You know, this is why a lot of people make an independent movie, so they can tell a story, a nice story. We've gotten away from that story, that emotional, human, everyday thing. We've gotten into a lot of action. Action took over for a long time. It was all about the visualization of what was on that screen, uh, as opposed to the story that was being told, the human condition that was being retold or, or, or flashed on the screen for an audience. We've had so much change, and I mean, you know, women are now getting better roles. African Americans are now getting better roles. Women are coming into being cinematographers and directors, and da 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 da. da. We've just had a shitload of stuff, shitload of stuff that has changed, and it continues to change. It continues to evolve. You know, right up to, you know, right up to say things, little simple things like rappers, like rappers getting uh, a lot of acting roles that I think should go to actors. But from a business point of view, if you've got a rapper or a singer who's gone platinum, then if he can act, if he does have the ability, it behooves the producer to give him a role because he's going to put asses in the seats. Let's not forget that this is a business. You know, we're, we're not doing this for fun. There's nobody out there making fucking movies for fun. You know, folks who are financing these movies and putting these things on screen on television, they're doing it as a business for money, for a profit. So it makes sense to put... Uh, a rapper in a role, if he's got that audience built in already out there, it's going to bring box office, you know. So, I mean, little changes like that. The business changes every day in some little fashion like that. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's ongoing. It certainly is. It's ongoing. Continue to change. You know, the action, the CGI, the special effects and shit has changed the movie industry tremendously. Tremendously. 
And all the Marvel characters now, Stanley and all these Marvel characters, we could have done all of those before without all the special effects, without the advances in technology. Advances in technology has changed the industry. Yeah. It's a living, breathing kind of thing for me. You know, it's, it's ever constant. Well, where would you like to see it go in the future? Uh, I'd just like to continue working. I would like to continue for God or whoever the universal masters are, whoever you believe in, to continue to keep me healthy enough to get up and talented enough to get up and, and, and go win a job. I don't care where it goes. Mm. As, as long as it's there. And as long as it's there and as long as I can participate, you know, in a profitable manner, and I say profitable from many standpoints of view, whether it be profitable intellectually, profitable financially, you know, profitable spiritually, uh, as, as long as the business can give me something that I need and I can give the business back something that it needs and wants, then I'm a happy camper. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't pretend to be a predictor of what's going to happen in life and how life is going to go. I, I don't think any of us really know. They don't. Again, I'm just going to ride this baby till the wheels fall off. <laughs> and hope my ride is a good ride. I'm having a wonderful journey now. This journey called life, I'm having a pretty damn good one. It certainly and sounds like I got like. no complaints. You know, for a guy who didn't, uh, who didn't go to Juilliard, who didn't train, who, you know, the maker dropped this in my lap. And a lot of people don't know this about me, but I never tried to be an actor. Never wanted to be an actor. I never not wanted to be an actor, but it wasn't something that I was reaching for when it started happening for me, you know? Mm. It, was a, it was a stroke of faith that somebody asked me to do a play. I got great reviews, and I started doing more plays, and, and it's snowballing. It continues to snowball now. I continue to be able to, to do this, to make a living at it, and to have a damn good time. Well, so it's, yeah. I just want to participate. I don't know where it's going. I'm not really concerned about where it's going uh, uh, as long as I can participate. Well, it certainly sounds like you've had one whirlwind ride so far, and I wish you nothing but success in the future. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. That was my chat with Stephen Williams. You can check out some of my latest movie reviews online at preacherspodcast.net under the movie reviews section of the site. I recently saw Alan Rickman's final film, Eye in the Sky, thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas. And before that, I saw the critically controversial film, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, and you can read my thoughts online right now. Now, I'd like to thank all the show supporters, Mad Zombie Collectibles, Mad Ben Entertainment, and Palace Nova Cinemas. Their details are on the website and in the show notes. We'll be back next month, but I've been your host, Benjamin May McKay. See you soon. <laughs>